listening to Best Health, presented by the Royal Gazette and RG Mags, a new podcast series with the best health expertise in Bermuda. We thank you for joining us. In this episode, we're focusing on diabetes and speaking with Sarah Bostenoyer from the Bermuda Diabetes Association and Doreen Williams-James of Wild Herbs and Plants of Bermuda. Ladies, first of all, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us. Please introduce yourselves. Thanks very much. Uh, Sarah Boschnoya, I am a registered dietitian and diabetes educator for the Bermuda Diabetes Association and a real pleasure to be able to share some valuable information as November is Diabetes Awareness Month. Thank you. My name is Doreen Williams-James and I specialize in the wild edible herbs that grow here in Bermuda. And um, we do various tours um, featuring the different herbs that come in every season that would help to benefit uh, you and your health. Well, I appreciate your time because diabetes is very prevalent in Bermuda. Like you said, it is Diabetes Awareness Month. It's important that Bermudians generally are educated about diabetes. Why? What is it? Why do we uh, hear about it so often here? I think we do. I think I think in my in my time is working with diabetes, I would say that people in, in general in Bermuda have an appreciation that our incidence and our prevalence of diabetes on the island is high. In fact, the International Diabetes Federation now uh, says globe the global pre prevalence of diabetes worldwide stands at about 10%. Our prevalence here in Bermuda is about 13%. Uh, and, and we're so we've always been higher than the global average. And if we included people with pre-diabetes, that number would probably actually be higher. Why is, is, is diabetes an issue? Well, if I can break it down quite simply, diabetes is a condition of having too much sugar in the blood. So in very simplistic terms, the definition of diabetes is too much sugar in the blood. This happens for different reasons, whether you have type 1 or type 2 diabetes. And a distinction is really necessary between uh, that, that form of diabetes, one of which cannot ever be reversed, and one of which we can do much to, to try and prevent delay or reverse. In type one diabetes, the pancreas no longer makes insulin. Insulin is the hormone that allows us to use glucose from our cells for energy. So without insulin, people literally, without the discovery of insulin, people literally would have starved to death. So the significance of insulin, which we'll discuss is, is, is very, um, is life-saving for people with type one diabetes. Type 2 diabetes occurs for much more of the population uh, affected by diabetes in Bermuda and indeed uh, globally. Type 2 diabetes is a condition caused by insulin resistance. People generally are still making insulin, but their bodies have become resistant to the insulin that they're making largely attributed to lifestyle factors and genetics. So when we consider that Bermuda is a small island and we have a relatively small gene pool, I'm as a proud Bermudian myself, and, and I think my ancestors go way, way back, but we have uh, that where there is in the condition with type two diabetes, a genetic predisposition to insulin resistance, factor that in with our culture and our lifestyle where we have access and an abundance of food. We are by nature, um, much as we love, love ourselves, to, we are a sedentary population. We tend to drive from A to B and park right outside the grocery store in the front street. And if there isn't a parking spot, we drive right on by. So sedentary, 
uh, an abundance of food and, and foods that we like, which are rich in carbohydrates, fat and sugars, and we have this genetic predisposition, has painted a very serious picture of the epidemic of type 2 diabetes, which we've been faced with over the last few decades. So in a nutshell, as the old timers would say, lots of people got sugar then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned insulin and why it's so important. I understand we're celebrating a milestone this year. Tell us more about that. This is, thank you very much. This is something we would really like for people to, to really hear about. In 2021, we have had a milestone year for, for many reasons and, and not really some positive ones when we look at, at the, the COVID situation, but 2021 marks 100 years since the discovery of insulin. And this is probably one of the biggest medical breakthroughs of this century. When we consider, as I just said, that people that were diagnosed with type one diabetes prior to the discovery um, by a group of scientists that it was insulin that was extracted from the pancreas of a dog back in, and sadly in the, in the very early experimental days. And then that insulin was purified and first given to a, a patient in 1922. So this took a condition of type one diabetes, which was a certain death sentence to the opportunity of life. And here we are hundred years later, if we look at 5% in Bermuda of our, of our diabetes population, probably close to 150 to 200 people on the island have type one diabetes and require insulin injections every single day to stay alive. So the discovery of insulin uh, is a huge significance and the medical breakthrough. And hundred years later now we have different, uh, insulin has obviously come a long way in its distribution, in, in the devices that we use to deliver insulin have become and technology has made that a lot more um, comfortable and access. We need to ensure in 2021 that people still have global and, and here in Bermuda too, access, affordable access, not just to insulin, but to all diabetes medications, which in, in the case with somebody with type 1 diabetes is life-saving. I can see affordable being a key point there as we go into uh, talking about treatment options. So just to be clear, when it comes to type 1 diabetes, uh, is it genetic or are there other factors that might kind of lead up to it? There are many factors in the development of type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes traditionally uh, is, is affects young uh, children, young people, and up to the age of you know, early adults or into adults and where the pancreas no longer makes insulin. In some cases, there are other family members who have had type 1 diabetes. In many cases, a family member with a young child with newly diagnosed with type 1 diabetes has no family history of type 1 diabetes at all. There's much research going on around the world to look at why that autoimmune attack has happened in the cells of the pancreas that make and, and no longer make insulin after that autoimmune destruction. And I believe positively that potentially even in the next in my lifetime, and I'm remaining hopeful and optimistic that in the next 50 years, we could potentially see a cure for type 1 diabetes. If they figure out the pathway, the genetic that, that has that attacks and destroys those beta cells that make insulin. Type 2 diabetes, um, you know, largely, potentially, we may not find a cure for, but we can certainly address the factors that contribute to type 2 diabetes, looking uh, very, very much so at preventing the development of type 2 diabetes, which is largely where a lot of our efforts and campaign stands at preventing type 2 diabetes and reversing it. In type 1 diabetes, education and support for these patients remains the mainstay. So November Diabetes Awareness Month, we here at the Bermuda Diabetes Association are making it 
uh, an acknowledgement and a fitting tribute to all of our patients who take insulin, come in and see us. We have some very special uh, giveaways and packages really acknowledging that to be on insulin each and every day takes a fierce amount of determination and discipline uh, to, and we're here to support people uh, living their best lives with diabetes. So at first I wanna say that, you know, um, this is uh, very personal when it comes to diabetes because my father has suffered with diabetes for the most part of his life. And um, so I've learned through his journey the importance of uh, what a person needs to do to take care of themselves. Unfortunately, more in his later years, I got more involved. So that's how um, I'm more active in, in the, the role of taking care of him. And as far as preventative, um, diet is an important part when it comes to um, controlling diabetes and even reversing diabetes. And with him, he's 84 years old and his diabetes has been reversed through a plant-based diet and through um, herbal supplements as well. And what I like to share with people is um, plant-based diet. Um, I would, through a personal experience, would say that's one of the best diets that you can go with as far as preventative care. And um, of course, um, exercise is very important. Um, certain foods that you eat, because a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the foods that they eat creates different diseases. So um, high fiber intake, um, lower, low, lower saturated fats. And um, so all that you're eating and putting in that mouth, it plays a big part. So um, also I wanna touch on um, when you eat high fiber foods, it helps to protect against constipation, high cholesterol. Um, it also helps to lower uh, heart disease, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, I'm sorry, diabetes, of course, and certain cancers and obesity. So um, some people say, okay, well, what type of foods could I eat? You know, so I, I like to talk and introduce to people uh, ancient grains. I don't know if you're familiar with ancient grains. But some of the ancient grains um, that you can eat are kamut, spelt, all right? Those are excellent um, grains that you can um, partake in. Also uh, quinoa. And um, so those are just some of the ones that I would mention. And um, they're not processed. So they're more healthier for you as far as partaking of um, certain grains. So quick recap. Type one is not currently reversible, but you have hope for hopefully the near future. Not, I, not reversible, yeah, we want to cure it. So not reversible, but looking at exactly a potential cure. Good to know. Type two is manageable. Um, we understand that you can kind of go into remission if I understand the terminology correctly when it comes to type two. So talk to us a little bit about that. What would it take to reverse type two diabetes or get into remission and is it sustainable? Great, great question. The, the, uh, for, for me, and I've been in, in, had the privilege of being in diabetes care for some time now. And I think that if you'd asked me 10 years ago, if 10, type two diabetes was reversible, we didn't think that it actually was. And we could say that up to 70% of type two diabetes can be prevented or delayed through lifestyle modifications, but we weren't actually you know, optimistic that it could be reversed. 
um, or put in remission. And a lot of work has come out recently in the last five to 10 years looking at, um, at lifestyle studies um, where people have been um, really very aggressively um, controlling uh, their dietary intake and facilitating a program in which they are encouraged to lose weight. In type 2 diabetes, often the um, accumulation of visceral fat around the abdomen is what triggers the pancreas and the liver to not be as responsive in their insulin response as it should. And so that leads to the development of insulin resistance. So here we are with an opportunity if we lose that fat, particularly the fat in the liver and in and around that, we can increase the body's own insulin sensitivity, decrease its insulin resistance. This is really through a very concentrated effort to uh, reduce ultra-processed foods, high-carbohydrate foods, um, sugar-sweetened foods. This isn't a drastic approach as kind of cutting carbohydrates out completely, but it is taking a, a real look at if, if we know that diabetes is a disorder of carbohydrate metabolism and you actively encourage people to reduce carbohydrates in their diet, it can be achievable for them to reduce or come off some of their medications, which puts them on the road or the pathway to putting their, their type 2 diabetes in remission. Um, a lot of people have a tendency to eat white bread, um, you know, processed, um, enriched. There's the things you want to stay away from. Well, uh, as positive as it is, I'm sure you have an uphill battle because what you mean by it, that's the Brazilian stable <laughs> you know, right there, you know? <laughs> it's swimming in uphill stream sometimes. If you go into many, of, and, and Bermuda is not alone, if you go into many in our Western world, if you go into a coffee shop or a gas station, nobody's got a boiled egg or a bowl of spinach there. They've got a croissant or a pastry or a bag of potato chips. So we, and we have to look at the role that, you know, that, that, that the food industry has played in this. Um, and it's been really good in the pandemic to see people starting to throw down some more gardens and putting more vegetables and fruits. This isn't, for me, it wasn't really, you know, when we're teaching patients to do this, and it is a difficult, and I liked your question about the sustainability of it, in an uphill battle where we turn to those carbohydrate foods for comfort, and we turn to those foods because it's behaviorally and culturally what we're used to. So I'm not going the patients who have I've worked with who have been able to put their type two diabetes in remission, hats off to them. It takes a concerted effort. And um, and and really, and many of my patients said, listen, Sarah, you talk about what I need to do, but you, we talk about the discipline part of it and you talk about the commitment. And many patients come in who have family members with type two diabetes and they say, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to, to have diabetes for the rest of my life. I want to do everything I can to try and prevent it. So for us, it's really powerful that we can give patients hope uh, and, and direction and education and support. And this is what the Diabetes Association really is, is a stronghold for absolutely recognizing with type one diabetes through, through you know, the, the delivery of insulin and technology and all of the phenomenal advances that we've seen over the last 100 years, we keep people safe and we keep people free of diabetes complications. And in type two diabetes, we do everything we can um, to see you know, it, what, where they can, can uh, achieve diabetes remission if possible. 
indeed i say bravo to anyone who has taken this on and been successful at it because of course they're not only bettering themselves but definitely influencing others to be successful mm -hmm. on that same journey so that's a very valid point uh speaking of just kind of lifestyle factors and things that we've noticed recently in the past say two years in relation to covid uh you say you have people trying to eat better because you know they're trying to strengthen their immune systems are there any lifestyle factors or or special things to consider if you have type 2 and uh, possibly if you got COVID uh, that you can do to kind of make yourself stronger, more resistant, kind of help you on that journey? Well, I think that, you know, the, the um, we're looking at, at uh, you know, strongly, we always we recognize that, that while having diabetes wouldn't make you more susceptible to getting COVID, that we, it's been, it was long since sort of acknowledged from the start of COVID that people with any chronic disease would be more at risk potentially of having severe COVID or having a, a more difficult uh, chance in fighting it. And probably as we've mentioned before, we, not probably because of these inflammatory responses and also that the body takes a lot of, it takes a lot for the body when you're, you're fighting with high blood glucose levels and trying to be challenged with that on a daily basis. It does compromise your immune response. Um, what we, I mean, I think what I really focus on is, is that kind of coming through the pandemic, what we've learned is, and, and what I, I think we, we don't want to see is that, that the epidemic of type two diabetes rises or comes comes even to the forefront even more so. We know that the, the everybody's lifestyle has been impacted some negatively, most of it negative, some slightly more positively through the changes for the last year or two. Some people having had more time at home, uh, planted a garden, and as I said, started used to walking every day. People who were taken away from a stressful um, situation where they work long hours in those periods of shelter in place or stay at home. I had many patients who, um, you know, perhaps people who were driving trucks or things walking every day now, making vegetable soups and home in their garden, and their health actually improved. But as we look at the at the persistence of this pandemic and the emotional strain and the drain that it took on people, then we saw rather different things going on in, in health in our healthcare profession. In my visits with patients, I found the anxiety, the burden, the emotional stress of it, the financial stress of it, uh, leading people to turn to those comfort foods where weight gain occurred. And for our children and young people sitting in front of um, a screen all day, not doing the same levels of activity. So when we go back to the fact that type two diabetes is linked to um, overweight and obesity, if we're triggering weight gain in, in a family or an individual who is already susceptible to genetic, the predisposition to type two diabetes, there is a, a rather um, anxious, a global kind of um, anticipation that post the pandemic, we will see elevated levels of chronic disease and so i you know would ask us all in bermuda to sort of think about that and get through the other side of this as best we can as safely as we can doing everything we can to put our own health um at the forefront to not be an increase and to, to we were really and i like to i'm a positive person people I, mean, I like to think we were getting somewhere we continue to try and 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 do everything we can to reduce the prevalence of, of type 2 diabetes in bermuda and we don't want to lose that ground that we attained and really make make sure people understand that they can make a difference in their own health i know you're an advocate of what's called the eight laws of health tell us a little bit more about that sure well, the eight laws of health is be, it's an acronym for new start. All right. So new start, the N represents nutrition. 
So of course, it's important to have proper nutrition for yourself um, and what you eat. Don't eat any processed um, uh, foods uh, like flour, sugar. Um, a lot of people like to eat bread. Um, so if you <laughs> know, I mean, you could go spelt bread. <laughs> but um, nutrition is one of the main important things because your food is your medicine and your medicine is your food. And um, also, I like to also enforce that because I forage from the land and um, the wild greens and the wild vegetables and the plants that grow wild in our island, um, by eating them, they're not only organic, they're genetically, they're not genetically modified and um, they're just healthy all around for you. So, and then we eat in season. So whatever comes in season at the time, you eat of what's in season. And then the next letter is E for exercise. Exercise is very important. And it's something that um, we, not all of us um, like to partake in, but um, it's very important to exercise in. <laughs> w is for water. Take in plenty of water, absolutely. Drink that water. Make sure you get the required amount each day. And um, S is, stands for sunshine. We need that vitamin D. Very important. Um, so a lot of people who have a tendency to stay inside in the air condition, not good. Get outside in the sunshine and get that wonderful sun. Um, the next one is temperance. Temperance is very um, important as well because if you don't get enough rest, if you um, abstain from alcohol, no smoking, um, all of those come under temperance. So it's important to practice temperance. Air, we need fresh air, plenty, plenty fresh air. Take it in and, and breathe in when you're exercising is very important. Rest, rest is um, make sure you get this eight to 10 hours of rest of hours a day, um, a night. And the last one is trust in divine power. So those are the acronyms for, um, that, that is the acronym for New Start. The eight laws of health. If we follow those eight laws of health, we will be in a much better position than what we uh, are in ourselves. Those are the eight doctors I like to call them. <laughs> I can't remember who it was that told me, but the idea was if we were to exercise and eat and basically live as if we were diabetic, we would not only prevent diabetes, but yeah. have a general better health overall. So. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's gone absolutely, because it's not a, a one pot on the stove for somebody to eat and everybody eats differently. You know, I could obviously speak for many, for, for quite some time on, on how I encourage patients to eat, but it's really quite simply a case of, you know, far more vegetables on your plate, a reduction in the amount of carbohydrates you eat, because carbohydrates we eat for fuel. So if you, you know, if we're not as our absolute hero on the island, Florida, we're not cycling up and down the island 18 times a day. We have to understand that the carbohydrate we put in our body needs to be put in there in the amount that we intend to burn off. Um, whole grain carbohydrates and, and you know, um, slow release carbohydrates rather than ultra processed refined carbohydrates and drinking 
drinking water um, because our bodies are, are, are made up. 70% of our body is water. Rehydrate with water and, and lots of vegetables and healthy fats. And, 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 and really, it's not rocket science in that way. It's really, but there is so much. And I've been to conferences down in the Caribbean and in our North American region where we've been waging a war on ultra processed food for the last few decades. And when we look back at what some people did in the case of, of being at home more in the pandemic and we ate more real foods, people were cooking more. You know, if, if I tell somebody with diabetes to fill half your plate with vegetables and to put a small baked sweet potato on there and a piece of fish and a glass of water, that's a meal that, you know, somebody with diabetes will do well with. And it's certainly a meal that you and I will prevent getting type two diabetes with. So um, it really can be, can be something that's not overwhelming and, and helping people to achieve and understand um, that, it, that, it's, it's, that it's doable. You're absolutely right. I, you know, it's always better if somebody else makes it and, and delivers it to you, <laughs> but... <laughs> But and then time the too. I mean, many yes. of us struggle with time, right? And and I think that we're the, we'd be the first person to love a salad if somebody else makes it for me. <laughs> Pass me the salad. I'll I'll have it. I'll have it every day. But but take out fifteen vegetables out of my bottom drawer, and it's hard to to prepare it. But let's not be overwhelmed, and let's you know think about. I encourage my patients to food prep at the weekend and put something in, put a soup on, put a stew on with butternut squash and your vegetables. Be prepared. That's half the battle in winning when you're talking about um, eating well. And I'm really looking at what I really want to say here to Chris is people often think of healthy eating as expensive. And, and, and I'm not going to um, diminish that. There are elements of, of eating healthy with produce, fresh produce that's imported that can be expensive. Look for things that are grown locally, buy things that are. And also, I think, um, to recognize that the investment that you spend on good quality foods is an investment in your health. There are other ways with a pair of shoes or anything else to make a saving or a sacrifice. We talked to other people in the community and, and Giorgio said to me, his Italian father said to him, in one place you don't want to scrimp and save for lower quality items is, is, is in the food we eat. And I think when you take that approach to thinking about the, the grocery bill as being, this is an invest, investment in my health, it somewhat changes the, 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 you know, your perception of your grocery bill. Well, I, I see that even though uh, you and Sarah uh, come from different aspects of this, you're in agreement, like just eating, eating well, temperance, like you say, air, exercise, all of those things help to not only prevent, but if you find yourself in a situation, they can actually help to reverse or put into remission as uh, one of the terms is to, to live better. So that's really good. Well, I wanna segue just a little bit when you're talking about management and how to make adjustments in your life. When it comes to uh, possible impairments or manageability, if you do have diabetes, uh, what kind of technological advances uh, do we have on the burners and uh, anything else that kind of might impact how well you adjust your lifestyle as as you probably should yeah thanks for that. i mean we we are really fortunate in bermuda and i think people listening to this in on our small island need to understand that, that apart from some of our um sister countries and, and countries around the in our north american region we have access to a lot of, of diabetes technology that isn't necessarily on the forefront. And one of the things that I've seen has made the biggest impact in our diabetes community is uh, an, an advancement of being able to get a glucose, a continuous glucose monitor for our, my diabetes patients. And our diabetes patients are through all the physicians and their endocrinologists and GPs are being referred to 
um, to pick up a little device, which is a, a device that you can 24 hours a day continuously monitor your glucose patterns as a result of everything that you eat and drink for the last 20 or 30 years albeit a definite uh, advancement as it was, the only way we knew how well we were doing to manage our blood sugar levels was to put a drop of blood, finger prick on a strip, and it told you what that number was. Very effective for in that time, but it was that blood sugar number was gonna be different in an hour and it was different four hours ago. So we really didn't see the effect of eating a banana or versus drinking a, you know, a milkshake. You couldn't see it because one finger prick didn't tell a story of what had happened for the last four hours. So we now have a device which is, is called a flash glucose monitoring system, the Freestyle Libre, which is available in Bermuda with a prescription. I'm really grateful that across the board, it's available to patients with pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and type 1 diabetes. And this, many of our the patients with diabetes have said, has been a game changer to understanding how what they eat and their physical activity affects their blood glucose patterns. And so they can modify their own dietary behavior. They can think, okay, gosh, if I had that, that for my breakfast and it caused my glucose to go up by 80 points or 100 points tomorrow morning, I'm going to try an avocado on toast and look, my blood glucose level went up half as much as it did yesterday. So patients are able to see in real time and get feedback. So let's not underestimate the value of technology and learning. And, and this is what, what you know we're passionate about. I'm passionate as an educator. If you understand what you do and why you have to do it, it's going to be a lot easier to take on board those those patterns and behaviors that help us. Um, so, so speak to your doctor if you think that's something that can help. We probably have over a thousand people using the Freestyle Libre system in Bermuda now. And it's not just people with diabetes who are on insulin, it's people who just, you know, have been maybe diagnosed with, as you say, Lord, we, Lord knows we've gotten rid of that expression, touch of sugar. But even if it's that person who's on the, you know, pre-diabetes, but wants to wear one of these glucose monitors to see how they're eating, affects their glucose levels and that might help that person push them back to normal and they're not going to progress to diabetes and for that that technology has become incredibly important so um you know and and we are we have patients in bermuda with type 1 diabetes who wear 24-hour insulin pumps and we we really do have access to the technology that's out there thanks to um continuing education that we get here to make sure that we've got access and opportunity to to what's going on Doreen. When it comes to managing diabetes from a health perspective, give us some easy options, maybe some quick tips on how someone might be able to do that. Well, um, I'll, I'll use my father as, a, as an example because I cook for him. And um, for him, let's say what is his, his general um, diet or breakfast and lunch is. Okay, so he's 84 years old. He's on no pharmaceutical medications and everything is managed by herbs and his diet. Okay. That sounds amazing. And all I hear is that breakfast, lunch and dinner at Doreen's place. Okay. <laughs> so for his breakfast, I may do um, uh, quinoa porridge. And now let's say a lot of people have a tendency to like sweets, okay? You can sweeten your porridge with dates, all right? So you can cook your dates right into your, your porridge, um, your quinoa porridge. You can do kamut. Um, now, for him, I like to also give him fruit. Now, I've often heard people, diabetics, say, well, we, I can't eat fruit. Well, I use low glycemic fruits for my dad. So it may consist of berries, 
blueberries, strawberries, blackberries. So those are some of the um, fruits that you can use, the low glycemic fruits. Um, chia seed pudding. I would do a chia seed pudding for him um, and sweeten it again with dates or maybe just a slight touch of agave. And um, so when you eat breakfast, when you eat in general, you should eat like breakfast like a king and you eat lunch like a queen and you eat supper like a pauper. Preach on it. I've heard that one. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> yes, it's all a process and a journey. Now for his lunch, I may do uh, a vegetable shepherd's pie, um, which will consist of the base will be beans, like a bean base um, topped with, um, I, if I go out and forage, it may be the wild spinach or the scurvy grass, whatever's in season, um, purslane. Um, so all of that is sauteed and put on top of the, the bean casserole. And then I may top it with a sweet potato or um, a, a pureed quinoa. So uh, our listeners can't see it, but I'm drooling right now. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That sounds excellent. And I'm glad you made the point about the fruit, because even when it comes to the dates, people might be concerned and, and do like, what can and what can't I do or what shouldn't I do um, sure. is sometimes a lot hard to handle versus what can I do? So knowing the sure. possibilities is, is a great option. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. And then you, like for him, he does take supplements that um, will assist with his health as well. Um, when my father had taken sick, he went to a place called Wildwood Lifestyle Center. And um, that's where um, they helped to basically get us on the right track with his diet and, and all. So we do get a herbal mix from them um, that he takes on a daily basis just to um, help to manage his 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 um, sugar levels and all. And um, yeah, so he, like I said, he's on all herbs, no pharmaceutical medications. So everything has been managed and maintained through diet and herbs. And to that, and maybe I think Chris, if you let me say that we do have a very, very important um, program at the Diabetes Association to assist patients. It's a patient's assistance program for anybody who cannot afford diabetes medication through um, access to maybe they're underinsured or, or, or uninsured through a job loss. And we've seen this funding that we have very generously available to us through, through corporate sponsorships. We've seen this triple, triple in the last year. There should be, you know, we talk about the, the access and the affordability of insulin, which must be a call to action from everyone. A hundred years on from the discovery of insulin, we've got to make sure that people who need it have access to it. So to that end, if anybody's listening to our podcast today and you know of somebody who is struggling with their diabetes, particularly and possibly because of a financial or economic situation that they're in, um, please do reach out to us at the Diabetes Association and uh, we can put that person in, in contact with our program in order to cover the cost of their medications and diabetes supplies. Thank you very much for sharing that because of course that might be the one thing that might deter someone from seeking help. If the, the economic impact you mentioned earlier, it could be one thing, okay, yes, I've started my garden to be able to afford food, yeah. but I can't afford you know, insulin or I can't afford these kind of devices or anything. So I'm glad that you shared that with uh, the general public. And I really, there is really no, hope- There that... is no copay for education with me here at the surface. We, there's no, and, you know, as I say, we make sure that this is, should never be 
uh, an obstacle to, um, you know, getting the help you need, particularly with, with diabetes, because in just one month of not taking your diabetes medications or six months of not taking your diabetes medications, if you have type two diabetes and you're not taking diabetes medications because you can't afford them and your high blood pressure pills, the outcome of that can be, you know, tragic and devastating for, for a person, for a family and, and for our economic health. So we're here to support with that program and recognize it's critical that everybody has access to the medication that they need. I appreciate you reinforcing that fact that that's very true. We'd, we'd rather, you know, help where we can and mm -hmm. keep everybody safe and give them what they needed as far as possible in order to keep them as healthy as possible. And so a thank you from us too, and for, for the people that continue to give and donate and support. Um, you know, we, we um, make sure that we always are aligning and looking at this funding so that we don't run out and so that we always have that. And obviously in, we were, we were looking um, to keep this going throughout COVID and we all know this is not gonna disappear around the corner anytime soon. So um, the sustainability of us to be able to help people um, is always gonna be a priority to us. Well, just in case uh, somebody kind of missed most of this podcast or, or didn't understand some of it, we're going to do a rapid fire session that we like to call Fast Facts right here. Here's number one, preventative options for diabetes. Go. Let's get back to the basics. Basics of eating, okay? Eat proper, um, have a proper diet. Plant-based is one of the main things I can't stress as enough. And there are so many things accessible to us as far as free food. If you know how to forage, if you don't know how to forage, I can teach you. So when you maintain your diet through plant-based, you're on a better track as far as that and drinking plenty of water and exercise, fresh air and um, trust in divine power, plenty of sunshine. It all works in together and you'll be on the right track. So, you know, I mean, with, with type 1 diabetes, there's absolutely nothing you can do to prevent diabetes. I want people to understand that. And there's nothing that people have done to cause it. So type 1 diabetes, a diagnosis as rapidly as possible and to get people the support and education with insulin. Type 2 diabetes, you know, this is, a, this is where 90, 95% of our population with diabetes are affected by type 2 diabetes. 70% of that can be prevented or delayed with lifestyle choices. So learn all that you can from your doctor, your GP, or health professionals about what you can do to make lifestyle modifications to decrease your risk of developing type 2 diabetes. And, and we're here to that end, I think for, this is our, you know, our, our goal, our objective, our mission is for support, for education, and for really um, trying not only just to reduce the prevalence of diabetes on the island, but helping those with diabetes to live well. That's what you're there for. Therefore, we've been in our new location. It's been great uh, just to have a home, really. After 41 years, the Diabetes Association was formed 41 years ago as a support, really, at that time for people with type 1 diabetes. And we've had this epidemic in the last um, few decades of type 2 diabetes. We were in our new home since August of 2020 last year. We have a full-service pharmacy for, and this pharmacy, people are listening today, you can come in and get your, your asthma medication, your eye drops, your anything that you need. You do not have to have diabetes to access our pharmacy. So you can come in as any family member with or without diabetes and get your prescription sent to us. We are 8.30 to 4.30 on Monday and, and Wednesday and Friday, but 
Monday, Tuesday, Thursday are 8.30 to 6.30. So coming out of town, you can stop into us and, and got, facilitating all the other things that people with diabetes might need here, vitamin and mineral supplements, um, cookbooks and, and, and healthy you know, uh, opportunity to, to chat with us. We hope to expand our programs as we can do more group events you know, with the uh, safety and um, health, public health um, measures you know, uh, sensitive to COVID. But it's been a great opportunity to really develop relationships with our patients and know that we're here uh, to support them in whatever they need. We really are a, a an ally. We're we're we work closely with 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 your your. I think you start with your GP, your health professional, and and hopefully you know most Bermudians do have really good relationships and trust with your GP. Always, you know, screening for diabetes, we were going to talk about this, but screening is so important. Make sure that if you know you've got a family history of diabetes, that your GP is doing a regular annual check for a fasting blood sugar and make sure that because the minute we detect that, the earlier we detect a rise or an abnormality in that, speak to, you know, pharmacists. We've got a Know Your Medicines program here where people come in with a brown bag of their medications and put it on the counter. And we're going to go through everything and make sure you understand that. The trusting relationships that you have with the health professionals around you are going to give you, you know, a, a real edge to understand your, your own medical conditions and, and see what you can do to be in the best health possible. Well, again, thank you very, very kindly, Sarah and Doreen for joining us. That has been insightful and hopefully uh, educational, not just to me, but to everybody listening here today. And I really, really do hope that uh, you continue your good work. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, Crystal. Thanks very much. You have been listening to Best Health, presented by the Royal Gazette and RG Mags, a new podcast series with the best health expertise in Bermuda. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in to our next episode on royalgazette.com forward slash RG podcast. Stay healthy, Bermuda. This episode of Best Health is sponsored by the Bermuda Diabetes Association whose objective is to strengthen the delivery of diabetes prevention, care, and management programs and services through innovation. Mm -hmm.